Morning. Do we have a, a, a slide? That'd be great. Awesome. So this was the wonderful topic that they gave me. Perseverance and patience in an age of instant gratification. Um, yeah. <laughs> what is perseverance? I, I kind of get the impression that when we're looking at perseverance, we are trying to get through something which is kind of trying to stop us. So there's kind of a, a certain amount of resistance when we're trying to get through something. Um, and we want to get to the end. Um, it's perhaps delayed over time or difficulty, but eventually we get success. So we persevere to get through something. Uh, so you go, perse perseverance. I want to tell you about this guy. Um, his name is Jack Ma. He's the richest man in Asia, worth about 39 billion US dollars, if you can picture that. I can't. And runs one of the largest companies in China called Alibaba. I assume that's pronounced like that, but who knows. He wasn't a genius um, who instantly created um, all this amazing company. He faced rejection a lot of times through his life. So he applied for 30 different jobs, including the police and Kentucky Fried Chicken, um, and he was rejected by all of them. Um, in addition, he applied to Harvard University um, in America 10 times and was rejected every time. But after discovering the internet in the mid-90s, he understood the possibilities that existed. He went on to create several companies despite all the rejection that he had faced. So it's an important lesson for us to learn. Persevere, persevere. If Jack would have listened to others, he would have accepted all of that rejection and maybe given up just like us sometimes, perhaps. Instead, he kept going, built an incredible business, and now impacts millions of lives every day. And the most exciting part is that he was invited by Harvard University to come and do the commencement speech. So that's the speech for all those who finished and graduated receiving their certificates. And they invited him, despite having rejected him. But it just was a kind of a good end to the, to the story. So, that is perseverance. Yes, no, yes. Instant gratification. Is it something new? I don't think so. Um, yeah, thanks. Sometimes we, sometimes we are very impatient with God. I could be a bit impatient with this as well, couldn't I? We would like him to answer our prayers now, and preferably with a positive answer. Yes, please. Thank you. Well done. We live in a world of instant gratification. Things must happen now so that we don't have to wait around. Instant coffee right now. Got to have it now. But there are many stories in the Bible about people having to wait for God before they were used by him to do something. So we think of Joseph. He had to wait. He was taken into a land of slavery before eventually he became number two in the land. Moses, he was kicked out of Egypt, but eventually years later, he goes back into Egypt to lead his people out. So we need to learn to look at the longer picture, the bigger, big picture, trusting in God 
and knowing that he sees the end and the beginning at the same time. Whilst we might get fed up and give up and begin to despair because something's not going how we want or would like it to happen, it's important that we don't do that. We can think of things we just prayed for, the war in Ukraine. How many of you have prayed, Lord, please may that war stop? And it hasn't. It's still going. We can think of, Lord, please may our government get its act together. And who knows? COVID, we pray that COVID would go away, but it's still here. So sometimes we need to trust God who knows the end, and we have to persevere to keep going. Sometimes God does answer straight away, but often he doesn't, and he requires us to keep persisting in prayer, like the parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18, or the parable about someone who goes to their friend at midnight and begs for bread and keeps asking until they get an answer. That's from Luke 11. And I I just thought when I found that picture, I just thought, sums up perseverance. Can Can you imagine what it must be like to try and do it? And yet, persevering to keep on going, to get through. How do we cope when our prayers are not answered immediately? I'd like to tell you a story. A young man, you're doing well, Peter, thank you so much. A young man applied for a job as a farmhand. When the farmer asked for his qualifications, he said, I can sleep through a storm. Bit puzzled, the farmer, but he liked the young man, so he hired him anyway. Few weeks later, the farmer and his wife were awakened in the night by an incredible violent storm ripping through the valley. He jumped out of bed and called out for his new hired hand, but found him sleeping soundly in the midst of the storm. He quickly began to check things to see if all was secure. They found that the shutters of the farmhouse had been securely fastened. A good supply of logs had been set next to the fireplace. The farmer and his wife then inspected their property. They found that the farm tools had been placed in the storage shed, safe from all the elements, and wheat bales had been bound and wrapped in tarpaulins. The tractor had been moved into its garage. The barn was properly locked. Even the animals were calm and had plenty of feed. All was well. The farmer then understood the meaning of the young man's words. I can sleep through a storm. Because the farmhand did his job loyally, properly, faithfully, when the skies were clear, he was prepared for any storm. So when the storm did actually break, he was not concerned or afraid. He could rest in peace. Sometimes we have to trust in God, showing perseverance and patience in what we're doing now and know that God can use it for his glory when he wants. He might not answer immediately, but God is in control. And that's very easy for us to say here, Um, But I'm sure it's a lot harder in places like Ukraine at present. So let's look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 to 10. There are Bibles available, if you'd like one. There's some Bibles there, some Bibles outside. If you want to have the real thing, as opposed to a, a phone. Galatians 6, verses 1 to 10. Okay, I'm reading from a different version. Mine says, brothers... 
Galatians 6, verses 1 to 10. Okay. That would be interesting, especially for our Ukrainian guests. They might be really puzzled. I shall read whilst we go on. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Thank you. I'd like to draw out a few practical ideas which might encourage us in our perseverance and patience in this instant gratification world of ours. So we're focusing particularly on what the title is, um, but looking at this passage. And I'm just going to draw out, look at three different verses. First one, verse 7. A man reaps what he sows. We need to take time to invest good things into our lives so that good fruit can be seen. There I said, watch wholesome things on TV, read good books, listen to good music. One of the things that Tanya and I like to do is to watch a film. And it's always hard trying to choose what we're going to watch. We use iPlayer most of the time. But we've discovered that if you type in true story okay, into iPlayer, then often the films tend to be pretty good. Um, so if you want something wholesome, that's a good way of finding it. We also like to read books together, and again, we've discovered that we don't really like all the sex and violence, um, so we tend to use the Reader's Digest books, which cut out a lot of that. So again, just a little tip to try and help you, um, yeah, just to try and invest good things into your life. So a man reaps what he sows, let's invest wisely into our lives. Then verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good. What could this be? What is doing good? Okay, let us not become weary in doing good. Okay, I'd like you to turn to your neighbor, please. Find a neighbor, okay, and chat about different things which are doing good. What does it mean? Let us not become weary in doing good. What are those things doing good? What does it mean? Go on, you can talk. If 
If you can't think of anything, try harder. Okay, can we have a few suggestions, please? We'd like to shout them out, doing good. What does it mean, doing good? We do not want to become weary in doing good. So what are those things? What is doing good? That would be a good one. I'm not going to write that one down. <laughs> Hospitality, thank you. Anything else? Encouragement. We've got music as well, that's exciting. Okay, anything else? Sorry? Kindness. Thank you. Giving time. Taking, taking? Okay. Um, Taking care of the environment. I think that includes recycling, doesn't it, as well? It's great. Anything else? Sorry? Feeding others. Something close to my own heart. Food's such an amazing invention, isn't it? Anything else? Sorry, something I know about? Shopping? Yeah. Yep. Ooh, nice one. Living for, what did you say living for? Living for God. Yeah, I got that one. We could go on quite a long time, couldn't we? Turning the other cheek. <laughs> Torn. That's my job. Okay, I think we'll stop there. Sorry, we can't put that one down as well. Okay, so that's just a few. I'm sure there's lots out there. Are there things where we are becoming weary? Are there some of those things where we're becoming weary in doing? And I'd like you to pick one where you feel perhaps you are becoming a bit weary. And I'd like you to turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to try, I'm going to work on, and then tell them what it is for this week. Go for it, just one. Okay, pick one. One that you feel that you need to work on for this week and the week ahead. Just one. You can have more if you like, but pick one of them. Okay. Not yet.
Some of you are working on lots this week. That's great. Okay, I'm going to move on. In verse 9, it goes on to say, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we reap, uh, um, for the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Instant gratification is wanting everything now versus at the proper time if we do not give up. When is the proper time? Is that by the end of the prayer? Lord, please stop the war in Ukraine now. Amen. Or is it at the end of the year? No, it's God's timing. And that can be either in this life or even in heaven. Let's move on to verse 10. And it says, as we have opportunity. Let us create opportunities to be able to do good to all people. Not everybody. It doesn't mean everybody. Okay? But it actually means all types of people so that we're able to, to reach out to anybody that we meet. It doesn't have to be just family, friends. It could be neighbors. Okay? Whoever God puts on our hearts. Okay. Especially to the family of believers, to each other. We need to be nice to each other. So the world often seems to say we deserve to have this or that instant gratification. It's our right. Okay? If we don't get this or that, then something's wrong. We shouldn't have to wait. That's what the world says. But God doesn't work like that. Why? Why should we persevere? Why bother? Well, there are several reasons. First, perseverance in different situations might enable us to receive a blessing. James 1 verse 12 said, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So if you're finding things tough, and it doesn't seem to be getting better, then the blessing might only come in our resurrected bodies. Galatians 6 verse 9 and says, also says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. It's God's timing. It's not ours. Secondly, perseverance can also help us to develop a good character. Romans 5 verses 3 to 5 says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. And character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. James one and two, uh, sorry, James one verses two to four also says, "Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness." And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So the perseverance can develop our character. We're encouraged to keep persevering. So that's down at the bottom. Next one, Peter, thanks. Um, because we are being watched. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. These guys are not watching us, okay, criticizing us. They're watching us, cheering us on. They're going, yeah, go, go, go. 
And that might be in all sorts of things. We've talked about various different trials. I think Tanya read one. Someone else was talking about one earlier in one of their prayers. Okay, We face lots of trials, and they are there standing, saying, go, go, go. Whether that's a trial of your health, whether it's a trial of your relationship, whether it's a trial of your family, whether it's a trial at your workplace, they're encouraging you to keep going. We persevere to gain a reward. It's quite similar to the first one, I think. Um, Hebrews 10.36, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. There's a reward. And there's lots of different verses here. 2 Timothy 2, verse 12, If we endure, we will also reign with him. That's a pretty good reward. Matthew 24, 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Revelation 3, 11, I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. Like that, like that. Uh, as Simon was saying last week, Simon Gilbo preached last week, God doesn't promise to give us an easy life, but he does promise to walk the life with us. So, we're encouraged to persevere and be patient. Bible also talks specifically about perseverance in prayer. Uh, Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Ephesians 6, 18 talks about praying at all times, um, with all types of prayer. So we need to persevere in lots of areas of our lives. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 says, do you not know, and I love this one because I, I used to do a lot of sport and athletics, occasionally jog still, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. The saints are cheering us on. They're going, come on, keep running, keep running. So let's do that. So we live in an age of instant gratification. We want things, we want them now. Just turn to your neighbor Again, turn to your neighbor and see if you can think of five examples or a few few examples of things that people often want and they want them now without having to work for them. Okay? So what people want right now without being prepared to work. Okay, we need to move on. So I put down a few different ideas. So, and I'm sure there are lots of wonderful ones out there. So we've got a, a new car. I want a car, I want it now, so I'm gonna get it on higher purchase or pay um, uh, over many months. A new skill, without the hard work, it'd be really nice just to be able to do it instantly. Play an instrument, something like that. Shh. Those are the nasty things. We don't wanna concentrate on them too much. Um, uh, more patience, that's probably what I need right now, okay? A bigger house, and then someone mentioned something over here and talking about um, people who weren't married wanting a spouse. Now, that's a good side of it, and rather sadly, even those people who are married sometimes want a new husband or a new wife, and that's what society seems to suggest. Getting a divorce is an easy way out, and that's really hard and really tough. 
Marriage is always under pressure because Satan doesn't like it. So we need to guard our relationships, investing them in them, especially when they're hard, especially when they're hard. Remember, the saints are cheering us on in that. Go, go, you can do it. As part of my brief for this um, talk, it was to look at instant gratification. We have to look at the story of Esau briefly just before we end. Please allow me to tell it to you in a modern way, which I found in an article. I didn't write it. And it sums up the challenge of instant gratification that we face. So Genesis chapter 25. The hunt has not gone well. Esau has been on his belly stalking antelope since the pre-dawn hours without success. Now the afternoon is wearing on. Sweat mixed with grime oozes down his hairy face, chest and back. I don't know if they really did look like that, but uh, you know. Small cuts on his arms and legs are burning, attracting biting flies. He looks up at the searing hot sun, wishing for even a breath of wind, but the air is still. His flat water skin reminds him he has not had a drink or a bite to eat for most of the day. He is so tired, so hungry, he feels as if he surely will not last the rest of the day. Food, water, gotta have some now. That might ring a bell with instant gratification. Esau's legs ache as he stumbles down a ravine and climbs up the other side. Each labored step brings him closer to home camp. The look of dejection, failure, etched on his sunburned face told the painful story. What is this? His eyes brighten as he sniffs the air. With each stride, the welcome, invigorating aroma of his brother Jacob's famous lentil stew grows stronger, more inviting. Nobody makes lentil stew like Jacob does. Esau is in luck. Surely Jacob will freely share some of his dinner with his starving twin brother. We know the rest of the story. God graphically recounts it for us in Genesis 25. In verse 34, the story concludes, and Jacob gave Esau bread, and, and sorry, and, yeah, Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. Now, I don't know about you, but we all shake our heads in disbelief at that point, um, thinking about that. Um, his birthright, he saw that from measly bowl of lentil stew. How could he do such a thing? But are we any better today? Paul reminds us that the stories God includes in the Old Testament are there to help us avoid making those same mistakes. In 1 Corinthians 10, 11 and 12, it says, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful you don't fall. We have another advantage over Esau as well. Esau wasn't converted like us, and we have the Holy Spirit. Through the indwelling of that spirit, we, we have extra help. We can use godly's, God's insight and power to learn and grow in the way of living that will please God. What was this birthright? 
Does it matter? What did Esau give up? I think I'll speed through this for the sake of time. So Esau couldn't see the birthright. He didn't see what it was. He just wanted his food. Okay? But if he'd have known that the promise to Abraham through the birthright son, just imagine all of those lands that they've now influenced, so North America, um, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, lots of Europe, Asia, okay? would he have thought a bit more about his birthright? It was there, it belonged to Esau, but he gave it up. There's also things like that. The, the power, the, the military might of all those countries, the world leaders that have come from each of those places. If he could have imagined that, would he have taken it a bit more seriously rather than just giving it up for a bowl of stew? And then there's a spiritual thing side of it as well. Think about all the spiritual blessings that have come through. If Esau could have seen that, would he have considered it a bit more important? Esau's impulsive, unholy, live in the now lifestyle was about to cost him and his descendants dearly. As God says, he despised his birthright, whereas God has called us to an incredible birthright. Our birthright makes Esau seem a bit pathetic, trivial. We need to realize what God has offered us. Our birthright is not just a once in a lifetime, but it's a once in an eternity opportunity. 